You don't secretly confer. No, honest. No. The only time we communicate is in the podcast. So you don't have a secret WhatsApp group without me? No. Okay. All right. I'll believe it. I'll believe it this time. The way we both said no, admittedly, was as believable as a dog standing over an open packet of beef jerky, but we don't. Very little preamble this week. Uh, I've just gone into it. I normally ask the lads how they are, but I was just like, no, start recording. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the best sneaks in game special. Uh, That's me stabbing you in the back because I've crept up behind you while you're doing the intro. I have a. Yeah. Uh, Oh, Oh, I've been counterstabbed. It's a knife stab noise that I've got. I've still got my little my little soundboard. Why? Of all the sound effects you could have, you've got a knife stab. That's I've got a knife stab, a tire screech. I've got a, got a moo. Oh man, you could really paint a, a little audio landscape with those. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you what. There's there's three armed guards patrolling this way through that audio landscape, and if no one puts my body behind a hedge, you're for the high jump. Oh, no. I- <laughs> This is Rock, Paper, Shotguns, PC Gaming Podcast, and the only podcast you need, in my opinion. Uh, I, Alice Bell, this week, uh, I'm joined by incredibly squalid snake. Whoa, I'm going to bite the head off a frog. No, squalid... Oh, hang on, wait, which of you is which? You're in the wrong order. Squalid snake and stolid snake. That's me. And Matthew Castle, by the way. (laughs) Doing voices again. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I, I just got a sore throat. Okay. <clears throat> um, <coughs> uh, yeah, and this week we're we're going to talk about the the best sneaks, the best sneakins, um, and uh, yeah, sort of. I guess the sort of natural following on from last week when we talked a lot about Hitman Three. But um, first of all, yeah, how how are you both? Traditionally, I I do ask that. Are you well? Very good, thank you. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, you're right, Nate. Yeah, had a loach die. I'm not sure why, but um, oh, no. not Ken Loach. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not falsely imprisoning him in my house, and oh, he's expired. That would be quite a shocking confession <laughs> yeah. for a PC Games podcast. You know, look, I'm going to level with you. <laughs> Ken Loach has been living in a shipping container in my garden for the last year, but I forgot to feed him, and he has died. Ironically, if he was better at sneaking, you'd have been able to escape. Oh, you can't sneak through the wall of a shipping container. I don't care who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I would love to play Metal Gear Solid where it's Ken Loach instead of Solid Snake. Well, isn't, isn't that the sort of crazy thing that Kojima would do. 
Probably. And that's, yeah. that's out there. For, I mean, he's a big fan of films, but he's more into like naff sort of genre thrillers, isn't he? Rather than I don't, I don't think he's ever dropped many opinions on the films of Ken Loach. What well, didn't he have Werner Herzog in Death Stranding, or am I thinking of the Mandalorian? I'm thinking of the Mandalorian. Yeah, he had a bunch of people in Death Stranding though. Ed- Edgar Wright, wasn't he? It's got this image of you turning up at one of those bases and it's got like Mike Lee in there or something. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I was not expecting this. Uh, yeah, okay, well, I'm... commiserations about the death of your Ken Loach. Yeah, no, he won't be making many more hard-hitting social commentaries uh, rotting in the bin, will he? What are you going to get? <laughs> Are you going to get a replacement, Loach? Um, I want to do some thorough analysis to see what might have contributed to the death. Mm. I'm worried that the rocks in that tank are too rough. It's lava rock. And Loach's famously don't have scales. So I'm worried, uh, wiggly little fellows, uh, worried that uh, they've been abrading themselves. You've got the makings of an incredible fish procedural detective drama. Honestly, I say I'm not into detective fiction, but <clears throat> fish keeping is constant detective work because you're, you're constantly having to anticipate what ma- might make fish fail to live and how <laughs> you might be responsible for it. That's making it not really the failure of the fish. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you get quite crafty at, at figuring stuff like that. It sounds very stressful. It is, but, you know... The rewards are quite low, I would imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Divine. <laughs> the rewards are there's like a lump of meat that moves around some water. <laughs> wow, wow, I didn't didn't realise you're an actual robot. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like like there are there are I would say most other pets are more instantly entertaining to like interact with. Like yeah, because you're not even really. Like that. You, you know, you went all AK forty seven off of Star Wars: The Old Republic. But, but you're not even really allowed to interact with fish. I mean, like if if you interact with them too much, they'll make them do a die. You can't cuddle a fish, can you? Absolutely not. No, that's strictly hands off. You can't even it, tap the glass. That's what they tell you at aquariums, and that's the best yeah. bit. I I like probably like. Gandalf bark at children who hammer on the glass in aquariums. We well, gotta do, do it to make the fish do something exciting. Oh, you, you <laughs> aka oh. be scared. <laughs> I will bury you in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows that fear activates fish in a more interesting way. It's not like hammering kids. That's what I say. It's the philosophy of it. You're not keeping a fish as a lump of meat to watch swim around. You're creating a, you know, like a bonsai recreation of a wetlands ecosystem. Yeah, I get that. The fish well, if, you love, if you love the wetlands so much, why don't you marry? Them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to cheat on Ashley with a swamp. Do you know what? Um, have you been to many zoos in or any zoos in America? Because I've been to the San Diego Zoo and it made me really sad because, like, Ooh, every... San Diego's all right, isn't it? 
Well, every zoo I've been to in the UK, they've had people in, you know, the little I work at the zoo polo necks, uh, polo shirts, um, telling you not to hammer on the glass and like, you know, telling you stuff about the animals and what have you. And and the zoo in San Diego seemed to me to be more for the people than the animals. So there was like, I there was, you know, I just watched like a, a man encouraging his child to hammer on the glass in front of an orangutan that looked really depressed. Oh yeah, that's the stuff. Or like, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like I went to Edinburgh Zoo, which is the only zoo in the, the UK that has pandas. And you had to book a time to go and see the pandas. Uh, and, and that was only if turn... the panda agreed to see you in the first place. <laughs> well, basically, yeah. So you had to turn up at your approved time slot, uh, and there were people there, and they were telling you to, that you had to be very quiet because pandas don't like it if it's loud, and and they were making you whisper. And there was a family there that were being too loud, and they were made to leave to because they were being upsetting the pandas. And you know, and you had to talk like that if you wanted to ask about the pandas. You had to talk like this to the woman, and you had to be really quiet. And I went to see the pandas at San Diego Zoo and you just, there was a big queue of people just that you joined the end of, solid, just, just traipsing past the panda bit. And there, and there in was the a- enclosure was Matthew with a tin megaphone and a Walkman stuffed full of Linkin Park, which he was forcing the pandas to listen We're, to. No, I, was, it was, it was, I was just it, blowing this- an air horn in its face. The zoo employee had a megaphone and was saying the pandas are inside and they're not coming out because it's loud over and over again on the megaphone. <laughs> um, that is that's what a little is going on here. It was oh, ridiculous. The wor- worst one, zoo. We went to an aquarium in Japan and some a thing aquariums used to do that I'm I'm really not into is touch pools. Oh um, yeah, they don't do it anymore. Have like a mob of children just like molesting sea urchins, <laughs> and you know I, I think you know if there's any sort of Venn diagram intersection between the ideas of tax pools and and like acceptability, it is yes things like starfish which are basically cognitively absent uh, <laughs> and extremely durable. But this place in Japan, there was a touch pool that was essentially like it was barely a pool. It was, it was basically a bunch of like dogfish and stuff just being beasted by an army of children. I, I just couldn't. I imagine it had the mortality rate of, of Stalingrad. Do, uh, um, have you seen Finding Dory? Yeah, yeah. There's a scene in Finding Dory, Matthew, that ha- they, they, they land in the touch pool in, in the aquarium uh, and, and it's like a horror. <laughs> Horror, a horror movie because like these suddenly these hands all like slam down everywhere from above. It's a good no, scene. That's a stealth. Yeah. yeah. How are you um, going to bring this one around to stealth, Chief? Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, uh, well, there are a couple of ways I could say, but the octopus in Finding Nemo is actually uh, incredibly stealthy, uh, uses uh, its color changing properties to. <laughs> It's be- to best effect to avoid all the humans, or I could say, uh, well, you know, fish and pandas both like the quiet, and you know who else likes the quiet is murderers. Oh, choose <laughs> your own segue. Yeah, yeah. There's like lots of ways quiet. I could do it. Well, I guess we can get into that. Mm-hmm. 
imagine, I mean, if you're not both going to talk about Metal Gear, then you've just <laughs> lied through, ne- through your names. As I think I may have said, even as recently as last week, I've only experienced the Metal Gear series and the context of uh, watching my mate play through uh, Metal Gear Solid 3 in a night while we both despondently finished off a litre of Baileys. Right. <laughs> that's what, that's yeah. how Kojima intended it. Yeah. <laughs> Were you ashamed of your words and deeds? Uh, no, I was just absolutely baffled by why there was a character called Ocelot and why the end of the game seemed increasingly punctuated by incomprehensible 40-minute monologues by characters with increasingly ridiculous names. Mm. Uh, when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out, my, my boyfriend at the time was well into Metal Gear and he got it, and I, it was when we were sort of like, it was, we were just, it was pre-official cementing of the relationship. So I was still trying to, you know, impress him and and so I was, I went around his house as and sat while he played Metal Gear Solid Four. And it was so boring. I went I was, like there was one cutscene that happened. I went downstairs, made a sandwich, ate the sandwich, came back upstairs. It was still going on, and that's when I was like, "It's not for me. This game." <laughs> no. It is very boring, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but Matthew, do you have an alternative take uh, on the Metal Gear series? Like, yeah, I think there are like two sides to Metal Gear. I think there's the the story which seems to get surfaced a lot more. And then there's the actual stealth game, which I really like um, and has changed a lot over the years. But people don't, the fandom don't seem to talk about that. You know, they're just obsessed with the lore and the characters and all, all the kind of nonsense on top of it. But um, it's the reason I really love um, Metal Gear Solid Five is because it's got the least story in the most game. Um, which is the big sort of sand, it's the big sort of sandbox yeah. self experience, and the reason people are down on it is because it has the least story, and they're like, "Oh, the story doesn't conclude itself," and you're like, "Well, yes, but it's also you know one of the the best sort of free roaming stealth games ever made." Um, is that the one where you just sort of force animals to go into the sky on balloons? Well, that's, yeah, you attach the full balloons to them and and um, send them back to your mother base which is like an oil rig so you can kidnap all these sheep from afghanistan and send them back to this oil rig ridiculous <laughs> i don't know which is worse life for the sheep really like living near a base where there's loads of gunfire and landmines or living on an oil rig where a sheep just isn't meant to be but better than living in like a city farm visited by matthew castle who's got like <laughs> yeah. you know a, a- power drill and a skipping rope with a crab on the end that he <laughs> lashes it with. <laughs> they, they, they were treated well back on the, uh, back on the rig. Um, it's got another good animal. You've got a horse. You've got... Uh, what's it called? Di- is it called Diamond Horse? I think everything's called D Diamond something, like Diamond Dog. And D-Dog, diamond. yeah. I think it's D-Horse, stands for Diamond Horse. And you can make it... Um, take a dump on the roads, and then if an enemy jeep drives over the dump, it skids out of control. What's the horse eating? <laughs> well, <laughs> why is it called Diamond Horse? I'm sorry, I just well everything they're they 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 are the your group is called the Diamond Dogs. <sighs> why? 
so everything's diamond. Because it's cool. Called, I think it's called Diamond Horse. Doesn't roll off the tongue, Diamond Horse. I, I didn't use the horse much because it's rubbish. Um, you know, it's not I very. Just, like, I can't get past the this the tactical properties of horse manure because it's I not still very. Can't get over ocelot. I'm getting angry about it all over again. <laughs> but like horse horse poo isn't slippery because they just eat hay and grass and stuff. Well, they used yeah. to make houses out of it, didn't they? It's yeah, got it's just fraction. it's basically like sticky straw. You wouldn't skid on it. That's well, very unrealistic. Well, he's probably f- like they're probably feeding it something weird on the oil rig. Maybe they're feeding it oil. Do you know what though? <laughs> like, it, it's a shame this isn't the cavern of lies because I'd be completely taken in by that. It's like, oh yeah, and the, it's got there's a special substance that the oil rig harvests called Mega K. And it's light oil, but it also it's also got psychic properties. Mm-hmm. But also, if you feed it to your horse, it'll do slippy poos. Lol. <laughs> could could you wish he'd come up with that? That's great. It's just arbitrary. He comes up with his all of his concepts by just rolling dice. Random rubbish ideas written on. Oh, <laughs> they're good. Ideas. Well, what I, what I like about Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, I guess, is sort of sort of parallel to it being a, a good stealth game. Is just that it has like everything does something. It's like very reactive. There's you know there's 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 nothing in there which is just like a little like artistic detail. Everything has a kind of function. You know, you've got this the famous cardboard box you can hide under, but you can sort of um, run and then jump onto it and use it as like a toboggan to ride down cliffs. And um, you can stick pictures of um, sort of distracting pictures on it of like, so people think the box is a person. <laughs> and it's, 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 it's still... Oh, I quite it's, like that. It's still with a really good sense of humour. It's, it's someone has sat in a room and said, what you know? What is everything fun we can do with a cardboard box, and uh, then they implement it all. I think this might be my failing with Kojima games in general. I think because of the the sort of the visual tone of them being super serious, and people really being super serious about liking them, I think perhaps I forget that some of it is just him having a laugh. Yeah, I think a lot of it is is. Very silly, but yeah, like, and that's that's what I came, you know, the whole thing with the story versus what you actually play is 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 very distinct. And I love the stealth in Metal Gear Solid Five. I love the open world, the fact that you could approach, you know, you basically had these like enemy camps or towns. The fact you could approach them from like any direction was actually incredibly exciting because one of the not problems, but I guess limitations of earlier Metal Gear solid and it probably extends to other stealth games too is that sometimes level design can feel a little bit like a puzzle you know yeah. like mm. built this very limited space with very fixed guard patrols and you're just trying to work out how to kind of beat it while here the fact that you could approach from all these different angles it just it felt very alive and exciting like you you were you never felt like truly in command of the space and it was actually quite kind of uh, thrilling almost a little bit scary to infiltrate, you know, something. And you also had to mark everyone with binoculars, which was great. You know, it didn't just put everyone on the radar. So 
if if your lack of information was entirely your fault because you hadn't been careful enough or you hadn't taken the time to find everyone and you you'd spend ages like marking up a little village and you'd wander in and there'd be some bloke, you know, sitting in a deck chair or something that you hadn't seen and then he'd get you and it'd be like, Oh no, it you know, just it it was uh I don't know, a big step up, I think, for the stealth genre. Well, there's a question about the genre as a whole, though. Like, mm. my big problem with stealth games is, and I, I do think this can be solved, but quite often, basically, you're doing the same thing over and over again until you manage to do it without making any tiny mistakes, which are sometimes arbitrary, because I know sometimes you've got like vision cones and stuff, but quite often it's like, right, I, I'll, I'll try walking past this bloke and see if I'm at the arbitrary distance where he can't see me. Oh, no, I'm not. I've been gunned down. I'll try again. I don't. I think it depends on the game. And I think it also depends on the player. Because if, because you do in these games, like a lot of time you'll get like, you know, a, a, but there'll be an achievement for not getting spotted at all ever in the whole game or whatever. But if you're okay with not getting those achievements and, you know, like if you get spotted improvising and killing everyone or whatever, I I, I think mm. it's more about, for, for me, like mastering the skills that you the game has given you and the tools and whatever, so that you are able to respond to changing situations. Yeah. I think though that there are there are a lot of stealth games. I think most stealth games focus on the the ideal of you going in quietly and here's all these tools to mm. help you go in quietly and they do fall a bit a bit fall apart a bit when you get to evasion. Yeah. Um because I know I, I just I I'll admit I'm I'm a 100% a quick loader when something goes to crap in a stealth game like I I just I've I've yet to find a stealth game where interacting with the chaos is as fun as pulling off the stealthy bit. Mm. Um, either they've built it for stealth, so if it comes a combat game and the combat's not very good, which is kind of what Metal I'd say is Metal Gear Solid's big big problem. Or um, do you think Far Cry hits that brief pretty yeah. well? That theories. Yeah, that's that's like. <clears throat> it's like not a pure I wouldn't say that's a, as pure a stealth game maybe that fits into the like a category where it's almost like stealth up to a point games you know it's like you try and make a dent to even the odds for an inevitable firefight um, that's a good way of putting it yeah and, and and maybe they work like that you know like the recent Wolfenstein games did that you know there were always a few enemies you could pick off around the edges of the level by sneaking but if you tried and like I think it was literally impossible without some like real cheesing it to kind of clear out entire levels oh, yeah, because right. fun fundamentally these guys had built massive machine guns that they wanted you to empty into Nazis so <laughs> you know it was like by design not a you know uh well, I mean, I was going to mention, and uh, I was kicking myself after we did the best map special because I didn't mention it then, but uh, Dishonored um, mm, yeah. and Dishonored 2, which is uh, a, I, I like an amazing, I think, uh, series. And Dishonored 2 is fantastic and has 
just some of the best maps and the different ways you could approach it are uh fantastic but the stealth in that is you have magic stealth powers so you have you have like turning into a shadow that crawls along the floor and you know um blinking oh, oh, in yeah, i used to love kind of giving thing. it the full ghostus to go between rafters and things <laughs> yeah um and that's and a really think- good point on the maps as well because yeah they'd model like all sorts of interesting stuff like in the roof spaces in case you were doing stuff yeah. like that well, there's like um uh, the the Jindosh Mansion is is the the one from Dishonored Two that everyone talks about because you can uh like you you turn up and then once you sort of pull a lever and everything rearranges he knows you're there and he's tracking you and stuff but you can there's a way to before you sort of properly get inside to kind of break into the guts and the walls so that he doesn't know that you're there or where you are um and it changes the the whole level. And how you approach it, and and it's really interesting. And I think actually, like I, I don't think it does. It's it's the the combat isn't like you're very much not supposed to get caught. But if you if someone does spot you, I think it gives you good tools for evasion rather than yeah. I always combat. remember them talking about this when they were making Dishonored Two. They were like, well, actually, we we put you know there are abilities and powers and a lot of thought put into our combat in Dishonored One, but. No one wanted like the high chaos state of just murdering everyone because it, it, you know whether it's just like fans of that genre tend to lean stealthy or whatever, and they did the same in two. Like there were loads of like quite vicious things you could do, and you were very capable. You know, all the freezing time and then possessing someone and walking in front of their own bullets and all that kind of yeah. stuff. But it, I still like I never engaged with any of that stuff. Like I just I don't know. I just felt like. When stealth's on offer and I and I don't stealth it, I feel like I've failed in some way, and I I my, my I mentally just can't get past that. You have to hit the F five every single time. Yeah, but no, I think I think um, it the Dishonored is fabulous and just amazing. Like I know you have said that um, IO are some of the best map designers in the business i think the arcane team that did the maps in dishonored dishonored 2 are just oh, and yeah. death the outsider fantastic here's a dull question but a practical one do you think you can play dishonored 2 without much memory of the first game because i played the first one ages ago and i never got around to dishonored 2 but i really fancy it um i think you can or is it worth treating myself to a playthrough of both, do you think? Because I never played Death of the Outsider either, actually. I think Dishonored 2 and Death of the Outsider are more a, a couple than Dishonored 1 and Dishonored 2, I would say. Yeah, guess, I, I guess what I've just done. I just bought the uh, complete package on Steam oh. as we spoke. Oh a my sheer God. moment of recklessness. <laughs> God, a mid-podcast purchase. Wow. That's just a wild... Guerrillionaire lifestyle. Oh, Dishonored Two is so good. It's so good, and I like the the um. There's such a great level in the. It's it's sort of like the Natural History Museum. I can't remember exactly what the the name of it is, but it's an amazing level. And and when you go when you play through it in Dishonored Two, it's full of witches, and they've made altars and bone charms and um and mm. it's this very kind of 
old kind of, kind almost of like sort of crystal palacey kind of yeah yeah, like yeah giant victorian greenhouse type thing it's it's amazing and then you play it in death of the outsider you revisit the same building but it's been sort of taken over by the modern um kind of uh government kind of troops and everything's covered in dust sheets and there are electric lights everywhere it's just such an amazing sort of uh visual storytelling of how the world is changing and how the world of of Dishonored is kind of in flux. I was just, oh, I was like, oh, mm. fantastic. Oh, apologies, folks. Ken Loach is, uh, is hammering on the wall of a shipping container. I think he wants a burger. I'm going to have to abruptly uh, leave, the, leave the podcast and definitely not go and play uh, the Dishonored series. So <laughs> such a good job of explaining how good it is. I'm well excited now, legit. Yeah. So good. Okay. I'm glad Ken Loach. The idea of Ken Loach eating a burger tickles me. I don't know why. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not a monster. Uh, uh, what else did we want to talk about in terms well, of best sneaks? I, I'd like to throw in something a little... Um, because I've been thinking about it this week for other reasons, but... I was yeah having a think this morning. I think it, it's very much a lot of the same territory as stealth games are. Uh, well, the, the the dream of Nicholas and and the Hall of William the Beast. Okay, uh, I was so I was preparing for you to say Age of Empires two, and I would have <laughs> found a way to beast you through. Would you have buried me in the desert? Oh, yeah, <laughs> next to Matthew, smeared in honey. And Ken Loach. <laughs> yeah. No, um, uh, so to explain um, that I did an article this week about how you would explain uh, the upcoming Nicolas Cage adaptation of Five Nights at Freddy's that is not, well, that is legally distinct yes. from Five Nights at Freddy's and is called Willy's Wonderland. That is another story. Um, go, go and have a read. Uh, but I was thinking about Five Nights at Freddy's, which uh, I, I, I'm, I'm not into it, but I do see why it was a phenomenal success. Um, you know, and the, the sort of fears it tapped into, sort of adrenaline. And yeah, the, it, of course, spawned a whole subgenre of you know, if you look at the monsters or where the monsters come from, they can't come and shout at you. Which is, I think there's an element of, of stealth to that because I'm ashamed to say I've actually, uh, I have watched it being streamed, that and games like it a few times. Not because I like mm. the screaming YouTube men, uh, but I do quite enjoy the, the vicarious fear. Um and yeah, that thing of like cycling through CCTV monitors and uh, it, it's almost like a reverse stealth game, I suppose, because something's trying to stealth its way up to you mm. and the vision cone is yours. Mm. I think that, you know, that's, it was actually a bit of an innovation. Yeah. It's really interesting in terms of because it taps into the sort of like you know monsters and and scare the dark and and kind of the way that things that are uh supposed to be nice um are often quite 
scary and uncanny and, and I it's sort of the opposite of like when you're a, a kid you hide under the covers because if the monsters can't see you they can't get you and then if Five Nights at Freddy's you have to look at them that is so weird isn't it that is so universal as well that if your your toes are outside the blanket you will die mm. yeah <laughs> very odd <laughs> Uh, the um, apologies well because we have missed the Five Nights at Freddy's book club for a few weeks. Oh. I don't think we'll have time for it this week, but we'll do our book reports next week. Um, oh no, we did it last week. Did we? Yes. Oh yeah, maybe we did. Yeah, yeah. Remember? So, yeah. Because uh, I was was I had you had the Silver Eyes, didn't you? And then I had the second one. Yeah, very interesting trilogy of novels. Uh, yeah, the chat on it's been really good actually. Yeah. Oh, this this has got more gaslight than uh, the Dishonored series. <laughs> um, that was the worst snare drum noise I've ever done in my life. Um, <laughs> uh, Matthew, what were you gonna? I was to I was gonna throw in uh, the classic thief into the mix. Ah, which I haven't played since olden times when it was new um and i have probably the best memories of thief 2 even though my memories are are still a little mm. vague cause it has been a long time but like i would have sworn that was i would have called that a horror game back in the back in the day i think mm. um because i found it so intense and i didn't feel powerful at all which is interesting because i think newer stealth games and i don't know if this is me changing or the games changing feel they are as much a power fantasy as as an action game you know it's like being a super predator you know the the chap in deus ex i feel bad for the new deus ex games like i feel bad for everyone else because he just rinses them and um modern day sam fisher you know we can literally do that thing where he basically picks all the heads he's going to shoot when you press a button <laughs> and then you press a button he pops up and shoots everyone in the head without being seen um but back in the day yeah i didn't feel that and i don't know if that's yeah like just me misremembering it if actually in thief 2 you, you are incredibly powerful because you have so many good gadgets and all the different arrows and you can sort of in on in theory run circles around the enemy but i remember it being yeah very intense kind of yeah you know like a thief i guess (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it did feel much more asymmetrical than maybe something like deus ex which i like there were some i saw some takes when um uh mankind divided came out that sort of like you know that the deus ex mankind divided really makes it you understand what it's like to be you know a a minority person because the game makes you walk in a different queue out of the train station or whatever. It's like, no, it doesn't, because like you have swords in your arm. <laughs> yeah. If you decide that you don't like the policeman hassling you, you can stab him through the throat and then run away. Like <laughs> throw a vending machine at his mate. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. You're a super soldier. You're not a dispossessed minority just because if where if you, where if you go back to very like thing. apartheid if you go back to Thief, we're literally talking about a man who had arrows that made loads of moss appear so he could walk across noisy metal surfaces 
without guards <laughs> hearing him. Hit moss arrows. That's insane. That is that's a mad notion. An arrow that drops a massive patch of moss. I think that game for me was like it had the 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 peak point of there not being that many innovations in games at the time and the water arrow in that being a good idea because it just felt like I can never remember a more pronounced instance of something seeming like a mind-blowing step up in imagination. And clearly it's not the most imaginative thing ever in a game, but at the time it just felt so, so smart, the idea of a water arrow to put out torches. Mm. Just the whole, there's a lot of stuff in there that it, I I don't know if I can say it definitively invented, but definitely pioneered stuff like the light and shade and the the sound um and it's it's one of those games that i i like you matthew i don't know if like i am just better at games now than i was when i was a child or if they are getting more power fantasy but mm. it, it felt so you felt so on the back foot if you especially against like the hammer and stuff and like it's one of those games where i remember like i was always very very careful where i saved because mm. you could just absolutely biff all the progress you made in a level if you just saved it a fraction of the wrong. But I think likewise, likewise, when you finally got like, if you if you managed to like neutralize the imminent threat around you, or you got into a room where there were no guards, you just felt incredibly powerful because you were like, oh, this is like a room where I can just steal everything without having to worry, and you could just have a little pilfering session. That was that was really fun. I love a pilf session. Oh, I love a pilf session. I I actually, like, it's obviously quite a flawed game, but the recent Thief, the kind of reboot, um, I really loved the, uh, do you remember it had these amazing, like, hand, like, bespoke animations for stealing stuff. So you'd have, like, Mm -hmm. a a table of jewels, and his hands would, like, pick each jewel individually, and you could run your fingers along, like, the frames of paintings to find secret switches, and... It had lots of really nice like hand animations in it. Good, th- you know, good thieving hands. <laughs> I don't know why that really got me. Well, they were thieving, you know, they're like... Good thieving hands. Well, like, you know, you always talk about like nimble-fingered thieves and this was just like a... Gen- like, it is the most nimble-fingered character. Um, just, think, just think the damage he could do with a touching pool. <laughs> He'd run his fingers all around the edge of a starfish. Oh, yeah. Actually, true, true story. Um, when I was, when I worked at London Aquarium, I uh, had a teenager try and steal a dogfish from the ray pool. Yeah. How? Well, they swim up near the surface. And that was, that was one of those ones where they used to encourage you to stroke the stingrays and then like realized that was inhuman so banned it and my my for like an hour's shift every day it was my turn to sit on the deck chair they had on the kitschy pretend beach next to it and basically beast people if they tried to grope the fish and you know i got used to sort of saying you know don't touch them don't touch them and then there was this sort of 
extraordinarily burly Spanish teenager um, <laughs> who just walked in like he owned the place and just reached in with both hands and pulled, put a dogfish as a small shark and he just pulled it out <laughs> like it was a hot dog. And I just went to it. I was like, what is your plan now? <laughs> <laughs> Where are you going to put the fish? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in, he did sort of end up just sort of shrugging and sneering and, and putting it back. He was a very contemptuous man. Just, um, he just wanted to see if he could. Uh, yeah, I think that, that was his power fantasy. <laughs> but he had the hands of a thief. <laughs> My God. Real pelf search. I just, when you were saying, like, just repeating, don't touch the fish, don't touch the fish, I could really picture you as just an NPC with, with not many barks, just sitting in your chair saying, don't touch that fish, don't touch that fish. Oh my uh, goodness, that's what I was. You're I a very learn- underwritten games character. <laughs> we should what we should learn to do rudimentary terrible coding or something so we can make a really shonky stealth game that is Steal a dogfish. You have to try and steal a dogfish while Nate is out on a tech chair with a baby. <laughs> if if any if 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 any of our six devoted listeners happen to want to band together and make that uh, electronic wireless show fan game, <laughs> I will lend my voice acting to it. <laughs> Can I be the burly Spanish teen? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the obviously local, the localized version. Yeah. Well, no, I suppose you 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 could choose different player characters because you could be burly Spanish tourist teenager or you could be just Matthew who just wants to bang on the glass and <laughs> make the fish miserable. Press A to bang on the glass. <laughs> That's it. No, that, yeah. Forget the Spanish cheat. To make it a proper <laughs> electronic wireless show fan game, it's Matthew Castle trying to sneak up and bang on the glass and upset the fish. Are you the fish? Is you yeah. got to be in this? Does the dogfish just have your face? <laughs> yeah, that would look really noble, actually. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'd, <laughs> I'd, good fish. I'd tell Matthew not to upset you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good game. Yeah, brilliant. Ten out of ten. Game of the Cheer year every year. Greatest of all time. Um, <laughs> are there any more for any more? I can only think of that now. Yeah. I mean, there's j- also listen to last week's episode for discussion of Hitman 3, because Hitman 3 is obviously yeah, very good. good. Oh, a, a tiny little shout out for uh, Desperados 3. I was about to say the same, actually, after your recommendation to me. Mm. It's, yeah, it's good, isn't it, for that? Yeah, that's that's... A- so that's that's an interesting stealth game in that it gives you like all the information if you want it. You know, it's the opposite of Metal Gear Solid Five where it's all a bit vague, and it's more that is like a really complicated like stealth puzzle where there's always behaviours and routines, and you're trying to find your little sneaky route through, and you've got weird powers that can disrupt it. Um, oh, it's good. It's really good. And it's, for it's a simpler com- version, I would recommend um, Partisans 1941 that I played earlier this year, last year even, 
I'm not massively into World War II games, but this is yeah, a World War II. Um, well, it's a commandosum up, basically. Mm. Uh, it's good. But yeah, Desperado no. 3 is amazing. Yeah, I think Desperado 3 is coming to Game Pass as well for those that have Game Pass on PC. So. Very good. Uh, well, then, I'd say it's probably time for us to descend into the Cavern of Lies, which this week is uh, is my cavern. So if you boys could do a, uh, a little sting for me. The Cavern of Lies. Did that work? That was me roaring into a water jug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, had of, it had a bit of just budget Darth Vader vibes. Good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, so this week, uh, it, the cavern is a cavern, but um, it's, uh, it's quite hot um, and uh, a bit kind of muggy. Uh, and you realise that it, you're, you're actually... Uh, in a kind of uh, a sort of little grotto just off a, a tropical beach on an on an island, a, a tropical island, an unmapped tropical island, in fact, because it is the lair of an evil genius. Oh, oh! Uh, f- from off of the game, evil genius. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I was really hoping I was going to be searching for crabs or something, but I can live with that. No, alas, not. But um, you realise in in the back of this cave somewhere is probably the uh, is, there's a secret entrance to get into the uh, the evil genius's lair. But there are between you and it, uh, there are many traps, uh, and you have to decide whether the trap is is a real one from the game Evil Genius. Oh, okay. Uh, that such as may be encountered by the secret agents that would periodically uh, try to infiltrate your lair. Have you played Evil Genius, Nate? You'd like it. No, I've not. No, I would like to. Well, Evil Genius 2 is coming out, I think, maybe this year, maybe next mm. year. Um, uh, Evil Genius is a, a strategy game from, I want to say, 2004, where you it's a base building game where you play as Dr. Evil, basically, and you build your evil there um but you is have to like put traps james, is it james bond dungeon keeper basically yeah basically yeah so you, and uh sometimes enemy agents will try and infiltrate your lair and um search search it and go room to room uh and you have to put traps to stop them so in this cave are several traps from evil genius and you have to decide which ones are real and therefore you need to avoid and which ones are fake and that you can stride through I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready. Yeah, this is this is good. So, are, are we are we are we doing them trap by trap, or are we doing? We are the doing them. We're doing them trap by trap, and there are, yeah. there are two fake ones, which oh, okay. means you could both get taken out. So you need at least one of you to get to the door to the to to my volcano island lair. <laughs> All right. And we stop. Let's let's spice this up. We stop playing once we're dead. Let's actually make this. Uh... <laughs> All right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to play for keeps. All right, okay. Uh, all right, what should I put first in that case? Um, all right, I'm going to put, first of all, I'm going to put the Venus Man Trap, which is uh, what it says on the tin. It's a big 
man-sized Venus flytrap that uh, has a little has a little uh, sign by it saying "Do not feed," mm-hmm. uh, and it it will it, it you uh, you have to be careful because it will it can potentially eat minions as well. Ooh. So it's indiscriminate in who it eats. That seems like an unwise decision for a base. Yeah, I mean, that seems about as much of a, a trap as a bear with a gun would be. <laughs> it's more a threat, isn't it? <laughs> it's it's not, uh, I wouldn't go like, oh, it's one of those nice fly traps. I better go and touch it. It's, if you saw a giant fly trap, you'd be like, I'm not going near that f- thing. Um, and that would be it. <laughs> Is it even a trap? It's just a threat. <laughs> well, what? I mean, uh, yeah, uh, mine like is not tra- a trap. Why. Like, mine like is just a to chair to- and it kills you. Like, that's a trap. Well, look, I'm, I'm going to... Mine gonna is not a reason why. My, mine is just to read the evil genius wiki at you, so I'd, <laughs> I don't know what you want from me. <laughs> I'm going to dodge it. I'm going to dodge it because it does seem, you know... Yeah, the whole the fact it eats minions as well, that was convincing. Yeah. That was convincing. Oh, yeah, let's it. steer clear of this one castle. Yeah, I, I think it's barely qualifies as a trap, but because of that, I know to avoid it. So yeah, let's <laughs> I'll avoid it too. All right. Uh Agents uh Snake and Snake. <laughs> yeah. The uh the plant chomps at your your coattails. As you barely make it past its vegetative toothy grip, but uh, it, yeah, that's a real. That's a real. It's a real. Nice, nice. Well played. All right, you've pa- Ooh, you you've passed the first trap in the corner. Uh, so now you are faced with uh, out of the floor rises. Bear with a gun. <laughs> out of the floor rises the. Do not press button. Uh, it's a big button that has sort of like flashing game show light sign saying "Do not press this button" above it, uh, and it's it's a big red button in inside of a sort of bullseye uh, swirly uh, circle with two big green arrows pointing to it as well, and it's, it's trying to drain your attention. I think I should it. press it. It's a, it's a, attention is one of the stats. And, uh, if you drain, uh, the agent's attention, they won't be able to spot the other traps in your gauntlet, in my gauntlet. Oh no, but this agent has got crippling ADHD. I've got to press the button. I was, uh, when I was on my work experience in secondary school, I was at like a PR agency. And I pressed a big red button on the wall and it set off their burger alarm and called the police. <laughs> what did you press it? Uh, because I was curious as to what it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you learned from that now? Yeah, I'm not touching that thing. Like, no way am I touching that because like, uh, I, like, I know from experience that it really upsets the guy who runs the PR agency. <laughs> what? And I do not want to be dealing with his wrath because fundamentally I, he's he's going to be writing the write up at the end of my work experience. So no, I'm not going to touch it. That's so like, Castilian. Yeah, yeah, like yeah that I, is know. I, I feel like that was my last truly rebellious act. 
Like, what that, I think that I set me imagine. on the path that I'm now on. <laughs> I cannot imagine you doing anything close to that today. I know. That's what, but that's because of that. Everyone Did you gets get a good write-up? to mess up once in their life. <laughs> <laughs> Just the one. Did you get a good write-up after that big your... red button? Did you get a good write-up after your... Um... Oh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was good. To... He took me for a glider lesson when we finished my work experience. <laughs> it was great. What? And then hurled you out. <laughs> yeah. And then I pressed the red button and the glider exploded. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to upset the PR man. I'm I'm not pressing the button. You can care, Matthew. You want yeah, to avoid? I'm not, I'm not touching that thing. All right. Well, well done. Nice. You successfully evaded another of my Phoenix traps. Uh, next. Uh, so this is um, uh, it's just called a swan, uh, and <laughs> it's a it's a wall mounted trap where you um, set a sensor off and it um, releases an angry swan that will attack anyone within uh, about a five tile uh, radius. I go, it's, it's similar to, there's one called uh, bees, which just releases a lot of bees. Mm. This is just that's one. I've got an extraordinary metagame reason that I'm going to walk straight into <laughs> okay please right. explain because you you remember when i did the fictional games book yes which is how we got to know each other yes like so rebellion the company what made evil genius also have a publishing company that published that book yeah and then for their christmas game jam at the game studio that year they decided to make the theme imaginary games from my book. Right. And I, I went along to, to judge the winner. And a lot of the games were obviously using assets they had on hand from existing Rebellion games. And one of the games in my book was about swans. It was called They'll Break Your Arms, you know. <laughs> it's true. And I would... If they had had a swan asset lying around from Evil Genius, it definitely would have been used in the game jam entry for that game. And it wasn't. So, therefore, by deduction, I fear no swans. Oh, my God. I'm going to walk arms first towards it. That is proper Holmesian deduction. Right? <laughs> I mean, I feel this is unfair, but... <laughs> I. Well, I was going. I was going to say that, like, based on when this was made, I was like, animating a swarm of bees is one thing. A swan—that's quite an art. That's quite a difficult thing to animate. Would you really make that a big challenge for you? I don't know. This, this one, yeah, it felt false to me, but only because of the um, how hard it is to animate a swan. I imagine because they're quite how, small. Well, how and hard got a lot is it to animate a swan? Well, because of the way, you know, they've got quite a strange movement, haven't they? And... Strange movement? <laughs> I don't think they would. It's not like it has to, to withstand David Attenborough watching it. Like, Yeah, but there's got to be so It can't move like a car, because then everyone, you'd be completely out of the game, wouldn't you? You're, you know. My liege, there is a demon in the moat. It moveth most strange. <laughs> that is a swan. 
barren idiot. <laughs> What's yeah, their necks and their big wings? What sort of realism do you demand tenuous. from your early noughties like, strategy game? What? Why didn't you say the same about like the Venus man trap? Well, to be fair, that is just two circles with mm-hmm. spikes on. Well, this one's just one circle and an S. No. And the beak that does snap most disconcertingly. <laughs> I, a, I think there's a lot going on with this one. Don't pretend you would have walked, like you would have avoided this one. But yes, that was a lie. I just feel like. <laughs> I just felt like I got done out of that one, to be honest. I thought it was quite good. <laughs> Look, just just because, you know, because I power gamed it. Don't, that's don't, not, I take don't issue with Matthew. <laughs> I, I take issue with Matthew describing it as Holmesian deduction, because it's not really. That, it, it's like, that, that would only be Holmesian deduction if like Holmes once solved a mystery because he was there when it happened. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, come on. I, there were at least three steps of into, yeah. of, you know, of what mm. you call it. Well, I, anyway. I, Matthew has the license to bang on one fish tank for that compliment. <laughs> Selling the distress of fish for compliments. All right, fine. But anyway, yeah, you walk into the swan and it turns out to be a poorly made taxidermy on a bit of string. Much easier to animate. Moving on wheels like a car. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> uh, okay, what have I got? Oh, uh, okay, this was quite good. Um, Disco Inferno is another one, uh, and this is it uh, again. Uh, sort of, it does what it says on the tin. A disco ball comes down from the ceiling. Um, and uh, draws the agent's attention, and then when they get there, the floor uh, and the disco ball uh, in a sort of four-tile radius will set on fire. Uh, and it's another one that um, you that you need to be careful of because minions can set it off as well. And the wiki advises that you keep um, some fire extinguishers nearby in case of it happening at an importunate time. I mean, all the language fits the language of the other ones that were real. And the sort of the tone of it as well. Mm. And yet it had that slight extra layer of detail with the fire extinguishers. You you know that sixth sense you get for Cavern of Lies? (laughs) Where something's just a bit too sensible. I'm going to have a celebration dance of my home scene deduction. Live by the sword, die by the disco ball. That's what I always say. All right. Well, uh, Matthew, what do you think? think this one's fake? Yeah. I think this one's real. It's got two. I'm going to risk everything. Um, oh, I'm, farm. I'm, going to do- I'm going to avoid it. You can avoid it. Uh, well, it was, in fact. Ooh la la. Oh, la. Fake. I made it up. So, uh, 
Nate's having a nice dance under what is, it turns but out. I should have avoided uh, it. <laughs> well, no, but it means that you stumbled backwards into, into a different the, actual trap. You stumbled, backwards, you stumbled backwards into the Venus man trap and have been chomped, I'm afraid. Oh. A bear with a gun shoots it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. But, I mean, you you have now uncovered both of the fake traps, one by Hook and one by Crook. So uh, it means Nate can walk into the base unharmed. Matthew is now being slowly dissolved. It may seem like a victory for Nate, but Nate does have to go and tell my wife that I'm dead. So, you know, fundamentally, it's not the best ending for him. No, <laughs> Died I'm the just... way he lived, disrespecting nature and not wanting to dance in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to finally report to that PR guy and be like, the, uh, the favour has been returned, <laughs> my master. <laughs> oh my god what a twist in this cavern of lies uh do you want to hear some of the other the traps that are real oh yeah definitely uh there's one called prometheus's revenge which is just a flamethrower nice. uh yeah uh, uh satan's chimney which is uh a pit that then spits you back out in a ball of fire there's a theme for some of them uh explosive palm tree uh, piranha tank. Uh, is that like a, an armoured tractor vehicle full of piranhas? No, it's a a tank. And that's that again. That is not something tank. I would naturally go near. If I was going into a base and there was a thing, well, it's full concealed. Of... It's like it's in the floor, oh, so okay. you don't know it's there. It's like, they don't just. I thought they, they were just expecting have... you to dunk your hand in it. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Shouldn't Prometheus's revenge have been a liver that eats all your eagles? <laughs> yeah, but not many people have eagles, I suppose, do they? So well, more fool them. <laughs> there's one called Confusing Pop Up, which is just some fake, like enemies pop up, like cardboard cutouts. Um, there's Money Madness, which I think flings a load of money at your at your at the agent, so they lose loyalty and might decide to join your team. Uh, there's one called Misdirection, which is just um, a fake uh, direction sign uh, that spins around and it just says like secret base, but it just keeps directing them the wrong way. Stuff like that. Good. Can't believe you rumbled the swan. I would have got both of you if you hadn't worked for the company. No, that made I, genuinely, I genuinely thought the swan was diff- difficult to animate. That was the that was the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, no way are they bringing us a, a, a swan to life. <laughs> you never see swans in games. You never like name another game where a swan like and and untold goose game doesn't count because it's different enough. I, I, I think I get points anyway, because it wasn't like, you know, Jason Kingsley said, now, look, let me take you through all of the traps in our game, Evil Genius. You must never disclose that I've given you this preparatory seminar if you're ever asked to identify the fake in a lineup. I, I just deduced from the fact I hadn't seen a swan in a separate project using uh, an archive of Rebellion resources. I, I think... Makes me a smart cookie, tbqh.com. History will judge me well. (laughs) And me. Get out of my cave. (laughs) 
Well, uh, now it's only time. I like it when the, the cave master loses and then just 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 asks everyone just to leave out of anger. It's no. <laughs> Get out of my cave! If I just don't want to be by myself. It's a cavern of sadness now. Yeah. Uh, now all that remains is for us to give our recommendations. Uh, Matthew, do you have a recommendation? Yes, I have. I have. Uh, last year, I recommended the Three Body Problem, the science fiction novel. I've just finished reading the second part of the trilogy, The Dark Forest, um, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And also recommend, if you've read The Three-Body Problem, which you need to read to understand this book, which is basically about loads of people trying to tell massive fibs to save humanity from aliens. There you go. So sort of two recommendations in one, almost. Yeah. Uh, Very good. I'm just writing that down so I don't, because I always forget when I come to do the write up post for this, I always forget everything that everyone has said. So I need to write everything down while it's happening. Um, you should re listen to this. Well, I don't. Why would I? I already lived it. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> That's true. Um, my recommendation this week is so the YouTuber Jenny Nichols- Nicholson, who does, um, I think she's very funny and she does really interesting. Um, kind of breakdowns of um, pop culture stuff. Um, uh, a lot of interesting stuff about Disney and Disney theme parks and and uh, alternate scripts for Star Wars. Uh, and uh, she has recently done like a feature length video that's like two and a half hours long about the CW television series, The Vampire Diaries. And it's really good. It's oh very interesting and very funny. What was that for, Matthew? I just just can't watch YouTube videos that are two and a half hours long. I just can't do it. You watch films. You watch films at that Yeah, I'd rather watch a film. I want to see I did mean to say, by the way, uh, because of you talking about Indiana Jones loads, is it last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, watched the original Indiana Jones trilogy. Very good. Still holds up. And I think... Last Crusade is better for not having a hanged woman in it. <laughs> well, I mean, we really watched Temple of Doom, and that's got some... I don't think I'd ever seen the proper cut of Temple of Doom. I think I've only ever seen, like, the, the weedy UK version. But this version had, like... Dark, this one had, like, proper hands going into chest cavities and pulling out the heart, which I don't think I saw in, in when I watched it originally. Mm. It's dark. Well, um... Dark film. Uh, and also, I did want to say shout out to God. What's the the bad French archaeologist guy's name in the Belloc. In Raiders? Belloc, yeah. Shout out to him, who's an English actor doing a a pan European accent. But like, shout out to the times when we had uncomplicated villains who doesn't. There's no moral equivocating with him. He just does a monologue where he's like, "Yes, I'm evil, and uh, <laughs> I'm a bad man, uh, and I enjoy this, and." Uh, yes, fuck you. Like, <laughs> that's basically it. I had a lot of respect for that. I was like, yeah, no, fair play. Don't, there's no, like, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, for the greater good or whatever, which is ironically what he says in uh, Hot Fuzz. But <laughs> Nowadays, 99% of villains do what they do because they've got a sick child, isn't it? 
It's always yeah. like, oh, I only became the green goblin because my child's sick. And you're like, yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. It's, all, it's all a bit Ken Loach, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Ken Loach is uh, quite uh, Nate, I trust our padding there has given you enough time to think of a recommendation on the spot. I actually came prepared this week. Oh, you were. Apologies. Ooh, la, la. Ooh, la, la. I've just leveled up, haven't I? With the swan and now this. Um, I'm actually going to recommend a book. Um, which is one of yours? <laughs> yes, it's uh, 100 Best Fitting Note. Uh, this recommendation is a book called Steel Frame by Andrew Skinner. I've not done this one before, have I? No. No, because I've almost never done recommendations of things that aren't inanimate objects in my direct line of sight. (laughs) 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 So uh, Andrew Skinner is, um, I I will disclose, I share an agent with him, um, but and he's become a friend of mine, but... Uh, largely because I read this book and was completely blown away by it. It is, um, it's a military science fiction story that uh, is just really low-key, an incredibly smart book about the nature of consciousness um, and has some of the most bleakly atmospheric sort of pragmatic descriptions of you know, living in deep space that I've come across and also has enormous mecha um, battering the piss out of each other. Uh, nice. But it's, it's just extraordinarily intelligent, um, really, really quite affecting. Uh, steel frame, I full recommend for that. Very good. Very good. Thank you. For, oh, aquarium recommendation this week. No, is there yeah. one? Or well, Ken Loach prison recommendation. Yeah. Or, yeah, or if you are thinking of imprisoning Ken, Ken Loach. Someone's <laughs> got a stun bat on. <laughs> well, I will say API Melafix um, is a good weak but, but you know, functional medication for treating um, sort of abrasions and things on fish. I got some to deal with the loach sitch. Um, it's basically a very dilute tea tree oil, um, but it's <laughs> antibacterial. Nate gently massaging Ken Loach in a bath full of tea tree oil. Well, yeah, he kept writhing around on the lava rocks in the shipping container. <laughs> worried his scales have come off. <laughs> 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 if he will writhe <laughs> I'll treat him with fish medication <laughs> yeah API Malefix uh, for all your agitated documentarian needs uh. <laughs> thank you very much Listener, for joining us on episode 125 of the Electronic Wireless Show, the Ken Loach special. Um, <laughs> I'll bury you in the desert. Uh, uh, don't forget that we have a sister podcast uh, called the PC Gaming Week Spot, um, which was is out on Tuesdays, uh, also featuring Matthew Castle uh, and Callum Mahan. They talk about the current gaming events of the week. Um, 
Do not forget that we are on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Rock Paper Shotgun uh, and YouTube. Uh, and we have our merch, uh, teespring.com forward slash, forward slash store forward slash Rock Paper Shotgun. Um, we are in the, it, I've had an email about merch plans recently uh, where I had to further explain Shotgun's Heart Squad. You've had to do that again. Yeah, yeah, I had to do that. And also I was like, oh, and also we have the electricity cop now. So <laughs> maybe I don't, I can't, listen, I don't want to get anyone's hopes up, but there may be like a bootleg Robocop t-shirt in our future. I don't know. That's what I'm hoping. But um, uh, so yeah, check that out. Um, and uh, of course, Royal PC Gaming Needs, go to www.rockpapershotgun dot com uh for now it's goodbye from me alice bell goodbye it's goodbye from stolid snake goodbye <laughs> it's goodbye from squalid snake done and it's goodbye from ken Lo- goodbye help me <laughs> <laughs>